Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello team, and welcome back to the Make an Impact show. Fab here, I hope you're doing fantastic. I hope you had a great week, and even more so, I hope you had a great February. I'm really excited as March signs the month well, we're going to actually launch our Build to Scale Accelerator. And if you want to find out more about that, I'm just going to put it out there and learn how in four weeks we can help you scale your business and reclaim your time, then go to creativeimpact.group slash accelerator. But it's not just an exciting month because of that. It's also the month that we release our spring issue of the Creative Impact magazine, which you can find at creativeimpact.group slash magazine and is also the month where I introduce you to the incredible Lenise Brothers. And Lenise is an amazing, amazing human being. She's an expert. She's a registered nutritionist. She's a yoga teacher and she specializes in women's health, hormones and menstrual cycle. She also won the Creative Impact Award as well because of her incredible work, not just with her brand, but also with her period story podcast, where she aims to break taboos around menstrual health and hormones. And Anise has helped hundreds of women improve the menstrual and hormone health through her private practice and group programs. She's also been sharing a lot about her passion and her vision when it comes to helping people have better periods. And this is what we're going to talk about today. It's really important that if you do have periods and experience periods, you understand how to have better periods for yourself and how to work with them and work within your cycle. And this is what we're going to explore to help people reclaim their energy, their body, and work with the phases of their cycle. And this is why I'm so excited, because I definitely need some of the lessons that Lenise is going to share with us today. I hope you enjoy and love the episode. Please share the love with Lenise as well. And obviously, as I mentioned before, if you want to find out more about what's coming up this month and check our brand new accelerator, go to creativeimpact.group slash accelerator to find out more. And you can even check out our upcoming three-day bootcamp at creativeimpact.group build. 
As I mentioned, this month is going to be a big one, so we cannot wait to have you along with the ride with us. Lenise is getting crazy fab energy today. I should apologize to you, I think, because it's... <laughs> you really were not signed up for this, but this is... I got the little... I got the little... How do you call these? Like, they're ants in the pants energy today. Yeah, I think... Are you... If I was going to think about where you might be in your menstrual cycle, maybe you were, like, ovulating or close to ovulating? No, actually. I... Um, at the time of recording, the cycle should be happening in about... It's on, my, it's on my watch. This is how bad it is. It should be, for everybody who wants to know, in three days. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> and not, not to toot my own horn, uh, Lenise as well, and everybody else, but it's always very, very regular. Like, it's got, like, the same amount of days, and we're going to talk about this as well, what can we expect and what is normal, quotation marks, but... That's the thing. It's always been quite regular. It's always been quite aside from maybe a couple of times where stress definitely impacted it. So, so yes, I can safely say that somehow this is the energy that I'm bringing in a couple of days before. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's good. That's good. Embrace it, which you clearly are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love that you try to guess. It's kind of like how how often. Like, have you tried this before? Like trying to kind of guess and see if you get it right. And how often do you actually get it right? I don't actually usually try to guess. I just thought I would try today, but <laughs> yeah, this pathology is not normal, kids. What is going on with this woman? Help! <laughs> don't worry, Denise. And this is just the beginning because now I'm going to ask you a question, and we'll see if the answer is literally periods. But my question is just to warm us up a bit. Not that we're not warm enough, but is um. What is a trivia category that you'd be really good at and why? That is such a funny question because, so my son, he's, he's eight and he has to do these speeches in school um, where they just have to get up and talk, talk about um, something that they're, you know, they know a lot about. And we were practicing on the way home from school yesterday. And I was like, oh, well, I could talk a lot about like why everyone needs to have a bowel movement every day. <laughs> and I was joking about that. But I could like, a true, obviously, periods, menstrual health would be like kind of like my go to. But then. I guess my other, uh, another trivia, I love trivia, by the way. I just, I am a huge, I love pub quizzes. I love Jeopardy. I love all of that kind of stuff. So I think my other go-to category would be like Britpop. If like, if I had a cat, if there was a category around Britpop, I think I would be really good at that. Hold the phone, everyone. Hold the phone. Okay. Listeners are like, okay, fine, we're here. Oasis or Blur? Say that again. Oasis or Blur? Oh, Oasis or Blur. It has to be Blur. No, no, it has to be Blur. I've seen Blur in concert, I think, about 10 times. So it's for me, 100% is always Blur. And if anybody else completely missed this reference, you're welcome. But I was so excited when when she mentioned rip pop, I had to go straight in there and ask this question. Anybody who got it, 
Again, you're welcome too. <laughs> my brother, just for fun, just for kicks, my brother is a massive Oasis fan. Like, like, but also was one of those people that he also, we did many little mixtapes. That's how I got, I think, my introduction to good music when I was young. Uh, it would also have Blur in it. So you know, it's always been both um, camps, but I had a good friend and she was just like team Blur all the way. So that's why I always ask just to see kind of what people have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great musical rivalry of the 90s. So yeah, you yeah, you gotta have an answer one way or another. Very, very true. Very, very true. So maybe <laughs> this question actually goes back to the time where you were going to one of those Blur concerts. Uh, because I want to know the first job you had. What was the first job you had? And also, what did you learn from it? Uh, great question. So the first job that I had, and it's funny considering the career that I currently have, is the first job that I had. And so it was an after-school job, um, and I also worked there on the weekends. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. And what the biggest thing for me was actually, it helped me get me out of my shell because I was quite a shy child. And I had to speak to people. So I was working on the front counter and I had to speak pe to people to get their orders. So it just forced me out of my shell and forced me to kind of interact with people because I was a very bookish child. You'd always find me with my nose in a book. So, yeah, I mean, there's no shame around working at McDonald's, but I definitely, like, that was a big learning for me to be able to kind of communicate, like, with people I didn't know. I think it's something that you are touching on that as well. I think a lot of, there's a lot of, not necessarily misconception, but assumptions that when you have a more public, or you start having a more public role or career, or you know you show up online, or even again, you have a podcast as well, which obviously we do know about, uh, period story. There's that misconception then that you were automatically always quite uh, easygoing, or it would be easy for you to kind of approach strangers and people. And I have a similar thing. I think I was maybe a bit less, but on the note of bookish, I was definitely, I would rather have the company of a book than a person at the time. So, and you wouldn't tell it right now, but as you say, I think in some of these experiences that we had, especially because a lot of us would have jobs like this, that would just be more like, you know, smaller jobs, jobs that were just there to pocket money or whatever it is. And it's kind of my hope that, you know, some of these experiences can be transposed as well for younger generations because, as you said, they're not what you're going to do for the rest of your life. But you mentioned they're really going to help us and I think they can really help a lot of people finding that confidence to be able to talk to people in real life because when you're talking only to people online, it's a very different experience. Third icebreaker question for me is, what does making an impact mean to you and why? So... Making an impact means that I am able to help help others change their health, improve their well-being, have more energy so that they can then go out and make an impact on the world, that they have the they feel vital enough, they have the energy to go out and do 
all of the great things that they want to do. So that's what a, a making impact means means to me. I love that. And I know that it's one of the big parts and one of the big reasons why, you know, also you, obviously you wrote the book and you work through kind of creating, you know, that safe space to for people to talk about how to have better periods. Because like, it, it slides into my first question that I had for you actually about this. And I think it really fits in with, as you said, your mission and the way that you want to make an impact, which is, it's more of a reflection, because obviously this is the perfect time, I think, for your book and for your for, for your vision especially to come out, even if ideally, you know, these things we should have known a long time ago. But I find that right now, more than ever, people are a lot more open to talk about periods. Fun fact, actually Pinterest outlines that, like, I think it's more like mindful menstruation, was actually a trend for 2022 that the platform, you know, highlighted and recognized. So it's really interesting to see that there's actually people are willing to open and discuss and understand better. And I wanted to ask you, ignoring Pinterest, it's good that Pinterest has seen that as well, but what do you think is that? What do you think has changed that has, has opened up this conversation for more people and especially, you know, for us to be able to explore this a bit more? It's really interesting what, that you say that because I think I do see that in my work, but I think there's to kind of qualify that a little bit, there is definitely age stratification. So younger people that I speak to kind of teens, twenties, maybe early thirties, there's definitely an increased comfort there because, you know, the magazines they read, the websites they read, you know, people on Instagram, TikTok, or they see this, all of this content, and there's a kind of, there's think, oh, well, other people are talking about it, so maybe it's okay for me to talk about it. But then you kind of get into your late 30s, 40s, 50s, and then, and then beyond that, where it changes. There's varying levels of comfort because of what was taught in school or this kind of shame or taboo that was learned when they were learning about their menstrual health. And then that carries on into perimenopause and that kind of mixed conversation there where some, some, some people don't even know that that's a real thing. And then the co taboo about menopause and beyond. And that's starting to open up as well, which is so, so important. There's a lot of really important books that have come out in the last couple of years around menopause specifically. But I think that, you know, there's a, we, the internet has brought this kind of democratization of content of authority. So you're not always looking to like 17 magazine or, you know, your kind of whatever your magazines are that you would go to, to get information about your health. That's not your only any only source for information. You have all of these other other um, platforms now. So you then, if you have a problem or you're curious about something, you can just type your your query into Google, and you get pages and pages of information. And I think then the question is, how do you make sure you're getting the right information for you? But that's a kind of other topic, but. I think that that that's kind of the internet a hundred percent is bringing this greater comfort. And then you have people who see other people talking about it and 
they feel then like, oh, well, maybe it's okay for me to have that conversation with my friend or with my, you know, sister or brother or whoever. Um, and then the cycle, this virtuous cycle continues. You touched on something that, that I was going to ask because you kind of went there. I was like, hey, it's similar. It's not necessarily the question of how do I know that's the right uh, content for me. I'm going to go even deeper in this kind of slightly controversial question, which is how do we know that the information is reliable? That I think is one of the bigger, that, that's one of the bigger problems, as you said, is that it's a slippery slope or the double-edged sword of having access to this wealth of information. And I think it's such an important topic that in history, and I know that I'm preaching to the converted here, at least with you, like, there's been a lot of misinformation around that. And I think even to this day, something that we need to be mindful of, especially for younger generations. Yeah, how do you know you're getting the right information? That's such a great question because I do see a lot of incorrect information even like an hour ago I was looking at something on Instagram and I thought to myself that's not correct you know someone saying that every menstrual cycle should be 28 days and it's not you know you shouldn't always have you're not always going to have a 28 day menstrual cycle it could be 25 days it could be 34 and that could be or anywhere in between and that could be your normal so I think how do you make sure you're getting the right information? I think making sure you have a variety of different touch points so you're not relying on one person or one platform or one magazine or whatever to get all your information from. And you're really taking a critical view. You're thinking, does this actually, does this make sense? And if you're not sure, researching it further. And I know that for certain things, we do take shortcuts. There's people that we feel that we can trust. So we just rely on their information. But I would think with anything, you know, with media, especially consuming media, what you read, what you watch, consuming it critically and thinking, does this, how does this sit with me? Does this feel right? Does this make sense? Um, and then going and f- doing your own research, if you're not sure, is really powerful. I think within that, actually, you touched on on the very important point of being able to kind of feel, almost find your own way, to kind of like get that information as obviously you, you evolve. And I even find that I was thinking about just like cycles and how they affect any person that actually does have a cycle. But then I'm thinking... You also can go even deeper and say, well, maybe I change career. And this is one of the questions I have is actually for thinking about, you know, our lovely listener and listeners who do experience a cycle and they might be usually running a business or running their own thing. And I think, you know, that also changes the way that maybe you either experience your cycle or sometimes push through some of the times where maybe you should step back. Because let's be honest, it's been a long time since I've been employed. Even then, usually I wouldn't necessarily take time off if I was on day one, if I wasn't feeling too great. But, you know, it took me a long time to be able to say, actually, on the first day of my menstrual cycle, the menstrual phase, I'm usually going to either dial it down or just disappear (laughs) and kind of take it easy. And again, it's something that I think, you know, it's not just a case, as you mentioned, of um, getting the right people. It's also, I guess, finding them the right person or the right sources as you evolve as a human and as you say experience different things but also change your leaf as well 
And that kind of ties me in. In the book you talk about and you kind of outline the different uh, phases of the cycle. And I love that. And I wanted to ask you, can we even go a bit deeper into that? And as we kind of cover the four phases, can we maybe also help us relate them to how would you even approach that if you know that you are a bit like yourself and myself, a professional, or you work for yourself and you want to make the most of that time. So I think it slightly nuances it. So I would love to see if there's anything can add to that. Yeah, so I think understanding your menstrual cycle and how you feel throughout your cycle is a really powerful tool in your working life, whether you're self-employed or you're employed. And it's a bit different if you are employed because you don't necessarily have that much flexibility over your schedule. But you, you, there are certain things that you, you can plan for. So for example, if you, you have, if you are employed and, you know, you know, you're going to have a tricky period, you can, you know, have an honest chat with your employer and say, or your boss and say, I just need to work from home. Working from home is much more common these days. It's much more accepted. And then you can plan to go a little bit slower, or you can just plan to go a bit slower in general in the office, you know, take a longer lunch, make sure your calendar isn't overloaded. Um, and then, you know, as you go move into your, for like your place or your inner spring where the energy is starting to come in, the creativity, the confidence, then you, you might think, okay, if you have a sales job, this is where I'm going to go out and meet more people. This is where I'm going to be pitching a lot more. If you have a job that has communication at its forefront. So like, say I used to work in advertising and I would have to do a lot of pitching um, and I always knew that this is the time of my cycle that I would be great. I would be great at that because my communication was just so much better. I was so much more confident. Um, and then what, and then you kind of just kind of take those learnings of what works and what doesn't work for you from the menstrual cycle. And then I think the idea is when you're employed, it's to harness harness your menstrual cycle and see how it can get you ahead at work rather than fighting it then saying okay these are my strengths and I kind of go into all of this in the book um I'm gonna really play to my this is when I can really play to my strengths and it's not gonna always work you know like you know I you know I'm gonna have this pitch then when I'm ovulating that might not work but you might you know, you might kind of account for that in the way that you communicate. Maybe you have more notes. Maybe you prepare a little bit more if you have to do a pitch when you have your period. So kind of you have, you're much more prepared and you feel more controlled. When you're self-employed, you have that greater flexibility. So when you have your period, you know, as you said, you can just take things all the way down and say like, I am just going to take it easy today. I did that last week. I had my period and I just had to just like, I took one afternoon completely off and I just watched TV because I was just like, I'm so tired. Um, but then I think also layering in where you are and planning can, because you have greater control of your schedule. So you can say, well, actually, if my job, 
if my business needs me to create a lot of content and I need to be on camera, then when I'm moving towards ovulation, that is a great time to do it because it's about confidence. It's about communication, but it's also about the way that you look because moving towards ovulation, you'll notice that your skin is just glows a little bit more. It looks a bit plumper. Maybe your hair just looks a bit more. You're having more good hair days. Whereas then as you move towards the end of your cycle, you kind of, if you have a to-do list, like especially in the couple days before your period, and I think maybe this might be what's going on for you, you kind of, there comes in this kind of energy where it's just about getting stuff done. And it's about like, you feel like all of a sudden you have a ton of energy and it's almost like your body is trying to get, prepare everything before you go into the hibernation of your period of your menstrual phase. So it's kind of like, you kind of like just power through your to-do list, all of those admin bits that you've been putting on, do it, putting off, do it then. So I think Harnessing your menstrual cycle and really understanding the power of it can be really beneficial no matter what type of work you do. And I love that because I think you helped us making it relevant for a lot of different people in a lot of different positions. As you said, whether you work for somebody else or you work in a team or you work on your own, I think is an excellent reminder. And again, going back to one thing that you mentioned, which I love, which is probably... Actually, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to go with this. Is the fact, or the, not the fact, is the idea that um, cycles should be, or all, always are, or should advisably be 28 days, the, busy, the biggest misconception that you see when it comes to menstrual health? Or is there any other misconceptions that you find that are like one of the big ones that you know people still go back to? Um, that's one one of them. That they that the menstrual cycle should always be twenty eight days, but I know other ones I see all the time are that periods are supposed to be painful. Yeah, you're supposed to, you know, experiencing like some level of pain, which is you know it's not true. It's hard for people to hear because that's what we get taught that periods are supposed to be painful and messy. So it kind of it feels counterintuitive because we get this counter cultural messaging that periods are just supposed to be terrible. Then the other big misconception that I hear is that right before a period, you were supposed to be experiencing PMS. So premenstrual symptom or tension. And I always push back against that because PMS is just a collection of different symptoms and I hate the idea that we feel like it's inevitable that we're going to be moody cows or we're going to feel bad or it's just going to be this terrible time. Why would you want that for yourself? And so when people talk about my my PMS and kind of claiming that, I always will say, well, why why are you framing it like that in your mind as it you're own, owning it why are you want to own this kind of collection of not so great symptoms so just think about it differently like let's dig down and think well, what are you actually experiencing is it bloating is it headaches 
Are there mood changes? You know, what is actually going on for you rather than it's just PMS and it's just something that's inevitable. So those are kind of the biggest, I'm sure there are more, but those are the ones that pop into my head straight away. And that's exactly why I wanted I wanted to hear that from you as well, because I think so many of us, especially when since we started experiencing periods, I think there are different beliefs and I think we're of a similar I mean from the love of music that we got, I think we're of a similar generation. I think our generation just about started, obviously it depends on culture as well. Like in Italy when it comes to these conversations, we were really backwards at the time, I think, as well. So there was not a lot of talks around, you know, periods and even what it was and what you should do about it. And I think, and obviously I think especially for a lot of people, the body changes as well in that time. And and again, it's all of these, some of these misconceptions or some of these thoughts, because we were so conditioned to think that was the way, as you say, sometimes until we actually own that, we mentioned about the PMS, I started realizing that actually I picture myself in a specific way, even more than bless my poor husband does. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's not one of those people that, you know, you have the cliche of like, they come to you and say, oh, you know, it's not like that. But I realized that I do it to myself sometimes because that's just what I've been thinking of what is the running joke, or what is the running mentality. So I love that you reminded us of that because I think so many of, so many of us can look back and be like, actually, how much of, this mentality is stuck in me and I don't realize, you know, I assume that this is what's going to happen or this is how I'm going to feel where actually I can make things better for myself. So thank you for that. I have a question now, again, this is the original question I wanted to ask before I went on a spin-off, which was, what are some of the, I'm going to call them disruptors, but bear with me. What are some of the biggest disruptors or, or things I'm going to call them? They're not things, but that can affect our period. As you say, there's not necessarily 28 days every single time, but we might find it as a norm, or there's like, a, obviously the flow starts to have a regularity within itself, but there might be some disruptors of some things, and I know you talk about them in the book, and I would love to hear what are the one or two biggest ones that we should be aware of, or that we can actually look at. Yeah, so I always go, I always go back to the basics, and they're kind of like, the basics for a reason they're like the foundations for our health but so often we can we disregard them because we're looking for this quick fix like like what supplement can i take that will balance my hormones and i think that like there's a lot that we can do ourselves that will make a massive difference so the biggest the biggest one of the biggest things that we can do actually is to sleep better so when we're sleeping, it's our body's opportunity to restore and regenerate. So our kidneys are really active. Our liver is really active. Our gut are really active when we're sleeping. And our liver is such an important organ for hormone health that if we're not giving our body this time to restore, we're not necessarily getting the best out of these really important organs. So really looking at not only the quantity of your sleep, so ideally we're getting about seven hours of sleep each each evening, but also the quality of the sleep. So how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel refreshed? Um, do you feel anxious? Do you feel hungry? 
all of these things are clues to tell us actually they we could probably there's some things that we can do to change the quality of our sleep and then when we whatever if you're it doesn't matter how you're eating or the supplements you're taking you're not going to get the best out of that unless you're getting really great sleep consistently so that's one of the biggest things that I see where I have clients who come to me and they say, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I said, well, how are you sleeping? How do you feel when you wake up? Because it just has a knock-on effect on so many different aspects of our health. Unfortunately, to say this, but alcohol is the big, a big, big factor in menstrual and hormone health. And it's a tricky conversation to have because, especially in the UK, where there's such a huge culture around drinking, you meet friends, you meet them in a bar, you meet them in a pub, um, and, you know, there's like alcohol is everywhere. You go to a children's birthday party, there's beers and wine for the parents. So alcohol features so greatly in the in the British culture and I mean, I'm when I I'm not surprised anymore, but because I've lived in this country for twenty years. But when I first moved here, I was really surprised at how like how much you know alcohol revolt like was a feature in day to day life. But for for when you have a period and a menstrual cycle, drinking alcohol has such a massive impact on your hormone health, because I mentioned the liver earlier, and the liver is such an important organ for making sure that all of the hormones that our body has used get broken down, and then we get, we eliminate them through our urine and through our bowel movements. Um, But when we're drinking, especially drinking regularly, um, like every day, or you like binge drinking, and binge drinking is like two to three glass, large glasses of wine. And I don't think people realize that. They think, oh, well, I'm not just kind of downing shots. But you go to the, you know, go out with your friends and you get you get a couple of bottles of wine. They end up being large glasses. You're sitting there having a chat, putting the world to rights. And then, you know, they you, you've left and you're drunk. And that has a massive impact on our livers and it, our livers want to get rid of alcohol above anything else because it's so toxic to the body. And so if it's not, when it's getting rid of alcohol, it's not doing these important functions of breaking down and getting rid of the hormones that we've used. And that can lead to issues, um, heavy periods, painful periods, bloating, and it's a difficult conversation to have because, I mean, I remember this one client that I had where she was having really painful periods and the, she was drinking every day. And that was just like every day she'd come home, she'd have a couple of glasses of wine, drink more at the weekend, but she didn't want to stop that. She just, it was so hard to kind of get her to see that maybe making some small changes in her drinking could make a big difference in her menstrual health. So those are the two big ones that I see, sleep, 
and alcohol, which you might find surprising. I didn't, I haven't mentioned food, and of course that makes a massive difference. But I, I would say that sleep and alcohol are just really like potent, have a potent impact on menstrual health. That is very, very interesting. I, I almost, to be honest, I almost expected alcohol to come up. Sleep as well, but it, uh, again, out of the two, probably alcohol was the one that I was like, I kind of understand, as you said, because of the interlinked connection with our hormones as well. And obviously the fact that we're just, even, again, from a non, non-menstrual health expert, but obviously cycles, especially the menstrual cycle itself, we're getting rid. Woo! You know, there's that, the flow is literally getting rid. And I think, you know, when your body is literally getting rid of toxins, especially like with the drinking, that is, is working overtime as well. And it's a bit like you said with the sleep. That's why I understand where they go hand in hand, because if we sleep, is the time that we recuperate. Mm. And obviously, if we don't have that time to recuperate, then we're working double time if you want to be quite basic <laughs> with it. Just for all the people like me that are like, I think I'm getting it. I'm just going to go with <laughs> basic <laughs> But that's why I, I think it's really powerful as well as a reminder. And then, as you said, is yes, it's good to have the right, as you say, external support that can help us improve things. But as you mentioned, uh, that when you lay the foundation and do the right things from the from from your perspective, you just help yourself so much more. And it's much better than constantly looking at things that you can get in that can help when actually you can find habits for yourself. I want to talk about one habit, one habit, one practice that. I know that has become more common and I think it's obviously it's kind of like that the element of the awareness and almost taking it to the next level and that is actually the practice of tracking your own cycle and I think a lot of us know intuitively that it makes sense but I think sometimes the, the connection of yeah I should track my cycle when I'm trying to get pregnant or when I want to know when I'm fertile like I have been tracking my cycle for a very long time um, because again, it was very always very regular, and then at some point it wasn't for a short period of time, and that's when I started to want to see a pattern, and now I just naturally do it. But yeah, I find that again, I know that I'm not necessarily the norm. A lot of people still think it's only important for specific reasons, but you know, can we actually give people a bit more clarity, maybe encourage them even to approach cycle tracking and learning more about their cycles that way? It's such an interesting question. I read this article a couple of months ago where I think it may have been in the Evening Standard where this woman was saying, oh, why is everyone, why does everyone feel like they have to track everything now? So to track how often they meditate, track their menstrual cycle, track their moods. Why are we so obsessed with, you know, being aware of everything that's happening with our bodies? And I thought that was an interesting perspective because this, she didn't obviously didn't understand the importance and the power of what you can get from knowing what's going on with your body. Our menstrual health, our menstrual cycle and our period are one of our vital signs. So when something is a bit off, you kind of have to look at what's, what's going on. So, you know, if you're another vital sign is your breath rate. And so if you start to breathe really heavily, if you start kind of breathing hyperventilating, that's a sign from your body that something's going on. We need to treat our menstrual cycle and our period in the same way. And so when you track your menstrual cycle, and by the way, this can be as, it can be as detailed 
or as not so detailed as you like. So you, I only track the first and last day of my period. That's it. I, cause I don't feel like I need any more information, but when something's going on, I will dig a little bit deeper. So a couple of years ago, actually in 2020, like six months into pandemic, I started noticing that my periods were getting much more painful and I knew exactly why I was eating way more sugary foods. And for me, that just has a nearly negative impact on my menstrual health. So I started tracking. I started looking at when was I experiencing the pain? How, what was the pain like? I was like, okay, let me describe the pain. Is it sharp? Is it constant? Where was the pain? How long did it last? And all of, I went into quite a lot of detail because I was personally interested. And then I wanted to see what I, I knew how to make things better, but I kind of looked at it as a little bit of an experiment. And so understanding what's going on for you, what your symptoms are, if you're experiencing any negative menstrual health or hormonal symptom is really powerful. And when you track, you can see patterns. So you can see, okay, a couple of days before my period, I tend to start to get tightness around my abdomen, or I start to crave chocolate or certain foods. And then you can say, okay, this is something that consistently happens. And then you can say, well, this is what I'm going to start to look into this. I can, I know what's going on for me. I can then look, look into it. And then tracking your menstrual cycle isn't always about looking for the negatives. You also can say, well, actually, I noticed that a couple of days after I finished my period, my libido starts to increase. And this isn't about planning. I mean, if you're planning to get pregnant, that becomes very interesting. But even, even without pregnancy, it's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm single, my libido starts to increase. I'm going to want to start to put myself into the world a little bit more. Maybe, maybe, you know, your testosterone is rising, you have more energy. And this is a great time if you're dating to kind of put yourself out there. So you can start to start pop spot patterns of when things happen for you. And that's one of the brilliant benefits of tracking. It can be as simple or complicated as you like. You can use, if you have a Apple Watch or a Fitbit or a Garmin, you can use that. You can use a piece of paper. You can use like the notes app in your phone. There's loads of tracking apps. There's beautiful journals out there. Um, really the world is your oyster when it comes to this stuff. You can use an Excel spreadsheet, you know, any, if you, it's a place where you can record things, you can track your menstrual cycle. I love that. If anybody has, uh, creates a menstrual spreadsheet, please let us know. <laughs> uh, I want to know now. <laughs> if that happens, I want to know. And just, just to round up on this point very briefly. You really hit the nail on the head there, and I love that you kind of brought up um, that piece because I think I understand that obviously that everything has got different different scales of let's say black and white and grays, but I also feel that I'm in a position which maybe I mentioned before in the podcast. If not, 
talking about cycles. So there we go. I'm in a position where I never, never took the pill. I've always been like going with like normal contraception and no really hormonal sort of balancing pills or anything like that. So I know, I genuinely know the signs and like the emotional signs and the physical signs because I'm really used because I can see the patterns. And this is why for me, again, I'm more on the camp of what I, I think tracking is very important because even for me, it's great. But also I know that I am, I'm not saying an advantage, but I know that I have the position where I can see things and I'm really used to see, you know, how, how my body reacts depending on the time of the month. And I'm just speaking again, anecdotally from friends instead who did use the pill for a long time and they had to rediscover how their body worked throughout their cycle. And this is why I'm saying I appreciate that we don't have to track everything we do in our lives, but I think this is, as you say, such an important vital sign and I love, because I know you talk about it in the book, the importance of it, the actually for me to know and understand how what my body's going through is vital and I'm really grateful that I was brought up slash I just did things this way and I know that a lot of people that missed it for a certain time and they get back into it is a bit of a shock at first and also they realize the difference that it makes for them so again this is my personal opinion and my personal experience but just for anybody who's also like a bit like hmm it does really help you getting back in touch if you maybe lost touch with your body and where it goes that's more yeah i think that's a really powerful point and i think if you're taking the pill there's kind of a lot of there i what i'm seeing is that there's a lot of shame that's coming in around that now because you see on like instagram or tiktok where there's lots of information about how the negative effects of being on the pill and but equally if you're taking the pill you taking it for a reason, then understand that there may be side effects and there might be effects on you. Have a really honest conversation with your GP um, or healthcare practitioner about why you're on the pill, but also choose your choice, you know, like own your choice. You made that choice. Um, and as long as you feel comfortable and confident with your choice, then, you know, own, own it, own it because the pill is, there's, yes, there are side effects and there's some negatives around it, but for some of us, it is, it's something that's quite valuable. Um, and it's a valuable medication as long as you're going in it with, in a, using it in a really informed way. I love that because it goes back to what we said at the beginning, everybody is different and again that's also what I wanted to caveat at the beginning by saying that was my personal experience and that's how I have lived my cycle for all of my life and this is why as you said it's just about if this is your experience and you have been on the pill and you still are on the pill as you mentioned that maybe it's about again making your own choice, owning it and as you said finding the right sources to understand how that affects you and your body and as you said it's that educational piece can bring awareness in a different way, but it still brings that awareness. And I think that's really, as you said, where it lays because it helps us understanding how we're feeling on a day to day. And like, as you mentioned, and hopefully we got by now, our hormonal health is so important and um, tend sometimes to kind of push through. And this is when we can embrace it a bit more. So thank you for that. Well, it's now time for our final question. And this is the question we ask everyone so we're ready for this <clears throat> if you could have 
brunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would this one person be and why? Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. That, this is a question I was not expecting. If I could have brunch with anyone, who, who would it be? I would say, so I love jazz music and there, I love Billie Holiday, the singer, since I was really young. And I find her so fascinating because she went through a lot of adversity, but she kind of was, she's this fascinating character because even though she, you know, had issues with drugs and alcohol, she still persevered and you really, it came through in her music and she kind of was such a fighter throughout her life that I would just love to have a, have dinner with her and just, you know, listen to, to have a chat with her and hear her stories and, you know, not me, not really say much, but just hear her, her stories of her life and like all of the interesting people that she met and worked with and the inspiration for some of her like most famous songs. So yeah, Billy Holiday. Excellent choice. Love that. Well, thank you so much again. First of all, actually, thank you for sharing all the wisdom and for helping us out getting, I think, a much better understanding and even more confidence to actually approach, you know, how we want to be and how we want to lead, especially throughout our cycle. So thank you. And thank you for writing an excellent book that also helps us with regaining that knowledge. Thank you for being awesome. And finally, let us know where people can find out more about you, get the book, get all the things. What are you up to right now? So the book is out on the 8th of March. Um, you can buy that anywhere you buy books and save your, if you pre-order, save your proof of purchase because I'm going to be, um, talking about some pre-order goodies in the next couple of weeks. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at eat, love, move. Facebook is at eat, love, move, nutrition. And then my website is www.eatlovemove.com. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.